Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman and in the next hour or so you'll be listening to the voices of, of three people with me. Uh, one is a city legend and uh, the other two, well, they're just, uh, well, they're all city legends. Come on, let's face it, the two members <laughs> of the Forever Blue podcast team. Um, the legend being Paul Lake, former city player and uh, as, as just a marvellous broadcaster as well. So overall, we've got uh, one of my heroes with us tonight. Um, but uh, as I say, Paul and Tony are heroes of mine as well. So uh, we've got three <laughs> heroes on the show tonight. Now, just before we start chatting all things Manchester City, which is what we do in the Forever Blue podcast. And if you're not a subscriber, by the way, it's free to subscribe, then subscribe, and then it'll just drop in your inbox box every week. I just want to give a big shout out, first of all, to AMAR Development UK, who are the sponsors of the podcast this year, who are the uh, development organisation who've transformed the pyramid near Stockport, among many other things, into a new event centre with a new restaurant, etc. So big thanks to them, but also um, to Counting King, who are a company based in Salford. And they are a company that specialise in business loans and R&D tax, which is research and development and how you can minimise the, the tax that you need to pay to the government, quite quite above board, nothing uh, wrong with it. Very, very well done and they're experts in their field and, and they're always open to any advice. And somebody who listened to the podcast a couple of weeks ago contacted them and said that they'd heard about it on Forever Blue. And uh, and I know that uh, Gary, who is one of the uh, the top guys at the, uh, the, the organisation, spoke to him at length and has done everything he can to try and help him. And I know how grateful the listener was. So I'm glad it's worked out for both of you. So there's a personal recommendation. Uh, Counting King, Google them, and then you'll find out what they do and how they can try and help you or your organisation. Anyway, on to the football. And uh, as we're recording this on a Sunday evening, um, we've just all, I assume, watched uh, Liverpool lose 3-1 at Arsenal. And that really does set up the title race even more than it was before that game. And I can't deny before the match, I was rooting for Arsenal. I thought that was the best result that City could have. Um, what, what did you, I mean, Lakey, I presume you were watching it. Were you with me? Were you were you hoping for a draw or did you want the Arsenal win? Where were you before the game? I think like you say, uh, Cheesy, it's, uh, it's an interesting one where we're thinking about how, impactful it will be on the title race and 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 no doubt it will be we also know and our experience has told us there's loads of points to play for some big big games coming up having to play both sides home and away and there will be slip-ups along along the route to the end of the season and we're fully versed in that um i think i personally wanted liverpool to lose this game uh, so I was pleased and 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 uh, i also feel that we'll still have too much for Arsenal at home the challenge will be going to Anfield, and we know that that's uh, that's a really uh, difficult game. One that we in the past we have struggled with at times, and you know there's no shame in that. They're a top side Liverpool, but I do feel that having the squad pretty much fully fit, apart from you know uh, Akanji, means that we're in a really really strong place. And when you have players out like Kevin De Bruyne and Alfie Haaland, who who um, Alfie, I call him Alfie anyway. Everyone calls him Alfie. It's Erling, but you know, <laughs> just, just call him H. Um, uh, but obviously, when those players have been out for a while, they're chomping at the bit to get back in. So you know, I I, I think that's going to be a such a motivated and focused end to our to this part of the season. So exciting, but yeah, there's uh, 
there's a long way to go, guys. And it probably is going to be a three-horse race, although you can't discount Aston Villa. They've surprised lots of people still in the in, in the mix. But I think we'd all probably say that it's looking like it could be a, a three-horse race. Do we read anything into watching that game today about the Jurgen Klopp effect, shall we say? Because before this game and last week on the podcast, I was asking uh, the guys who were on with me last week whether the fact that Klopp had announced he was going might actually motivate Liverpool players. Now, today, um, if I analyse that game, I would say that Arsenal came out really wanting it and, and Liverpool looked a little bit like rabbits in the headlights, particularly their charismatic, um, um, whatever word you want to use, captain uh, Virgil van Dijk, who I thought had a shocker and as good as admitted that after the game. But the, I wonder whether it's actually worked the other way, that the fact that Klopp said he's going has now had a, a damaging effect. Do we Can we read that much into one game? I don't I don't think so personally, knowing the, the level of the players, what their how their mentality has been, the fact that they've pushed us so close over the years, you know, and the fact that they have been so successful in their own right. So there's a lot of very experienced players out there. Yes, they've had an off day. If you go through from one to eleven, you'd all say that they were below par. Um, you know, so if you've got a side like Arsenal that came, you know, out of the traps, you know, with pressing so hard, so aggressively, you know, and continue to do so. And Odegaard is a, an example of that. Sometimes it looked like it was a little bit kind of uh, frenetic, his closing down. But the attitude and the and and the um the approach that Arsenal, you know, um came to the game with, I think it probably took Liverpool really by surprise, even though they knew what to expect when it actually happens. You know, so I think as good as Arsenal were, they didn't allow Liverpool to play. And therefore, by default, that became 1-0. And then it was, a, it was a mistake for Liverpool's goal, who, if you're honest, didn't really look like they were going to score, apart from set pieces, which is quite surprising for Liverpool. But Arsenal fully deserved the win. And it just shows you, Cheesy, I think for all of us, that you know we, we can put too much focus on one game but I suppose the after effects is how each individual player responds to that. And that's something that I think Pep's got perfectly, you know, just spot on in terms of individual players in his um, interviews and in his uh, the pieces that he's done to camera over the years um, and the programmes about him. It's always been about knowing how the individual player ticks as part of that team. And I think that's still the advantage that, that Pep has over the rest of the, of the managers out there. Technically, tactically, superb. But lots of other managers are. I just think he gets under the skin of players in the right way. And I just think that with the experience that he's had, our players have had, I just feel that I still put us as favourites to win this. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see how Liverpool do respond in the next few games. And I say more away from home than at home because the Anfield crowd tend to pull Liverpool through anyway. What are you on the title race, Paul? I mean, I, I no doubt you'll have a big smile on your face after that result. Um, are you feeling more confident about the same or what are you on the title race? I think I'm I'm always confident because of the standards that our players have set. You know, so they'll they'll want the best from themselves at every single game, and they know what the expectations are of each other. And I think that's the culture that's been created at Manchester City with Pep Guardiola and all the players. You know, as much as Pep is a you know a great um, you know orator, and and uh, you know he'll have these incredible you know wartime speeches that he might provide at certain times, but. 
I don't think that's required anymore. I think our players are so well versed in what the expectations are for themselves, never mind for the manager, for the club, and obviously for us as fans. So I feel that we are psychologically in a brilliant place. Yes, we've got two games in hand and we've got games that are winnable. Yeah, Brentford, again, it's going to be a tough game. It always is. And everyone's raving about Ivan Tony, but they're not below halfway for no reason. And if we turn it on and we step into third gear and at times fourth gear, we will have too much for Brentford. You know, so I, I feel that it, as much as today's game is a bit too soon to say, it's absolutely pivotal. I do feel that the game at Anfield for us will be pivotal. And maybe a case of not losing that game as opposed to winning it. Well, let me bring the other two lads in now. Uh, let's start with you. Uh, another Paul, of course. Um, Paul from Prestige Car Repairs, as we call him, uh, which is true, of course. Uh, how are you feeling, Paul? I mean, it's uh, it's a good day, isn't it, for City? Well, I, I knew before the game today, I know Derek Akora, but um, I've got like a little candle in my bedroom set up for, the, you know, where, for when Klopp leaves. And that actually blew out today. So I think I knew that was a sign that uh, Liverpool were going to get thumped by uh, by Arsenal. Um, yeah, we again, it's it's very easy to say, and we've all been there. We don't want to start making it out as though we've just won the league and all the rest of it because we haven't. There's loads and loads. Is it 15 games or so to go? I think. Um, so we've got loads of games to go, but I I just think today that could be the turning point. That could be the moment where we sort of say. You know, the other two lost the league that day. Um, they both cancelled each other out, if you like. I, I watched that game today and, and I have nothing to fear from Liverpool. I, I can't believe the, the top of the league, to be honest. They, you know, Terence Trent Derby was shown, shown up again. Um, you know, Van Dyke, embarrassing, embarrassingly bad. And I've said it all along. You know, if you listen to some, listen back to some of the podcasts, um, I've said about um, both of them players are overrated by the media, um, and the, the Liverpool fans fall into that trap. So, I don't think we've got anything to fear from either of them sides. To be honest, we've got too much in every position. Um, you know, Arsenal are serial bottlers, so you know they they're the ones that are going to be feared now because they they know we can go on a run unbeaten for fifteen games now. Forget Brentford. Um, we've got rid of them myths about not scoring at Tottenham. Um, you know, Brentford, I don't think are, um, are going to be a bogey team. I, I hope I don't eat my words, but I just, I just think we've got, we've got too much for them. We've got a full strength side back. The players are chomping at the bit as well. I mean, you've, you've seen the stuff some of the media have, they've put out, uh, City media and what have you. In the, the team spirit's amazing. Um, the players are chomping at the bit. You know, it's 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 for us to lose this one now. I think we'll go on and do it. It's worth bearing in mind as well that people not necessarily look at the fact that City lost home and away to Brentford last year, but they perhaps forget that the Brentford away game was after the league had been won, so it was a complete dead rubber, and the home game was just before the World Cup. Now, I don't necessarily buy into the theory that some have had uh, that it was because the players were thinking about the World Cup, but still, they were both in positions in the season when there were sorts of reasons, mitigation, shall we say, for the results. Um, so I tend to agree that I, I don't have much of a problem with, with going to Brentford. No, no, I think um, 
we'll, we'll find out tomorrow, won't we? We'll find out. Is it at seven thirty, eight o'clock tomorrow night? What uh, when the team's announced? We'll we'll. I'm I'm convinced that we'll do we'll do okay there. Um, the other the, the Premiership now is quaking. Um, you listen to the, uh, the 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 pundits on the TV. I won't say radio because you're on there, aren't you, Paul? Um, but the, uh, the the pundits on TV and what have you. Um, you can tell you can tell that they they crank it up when it gets to this part of the season. They crank it up the loving for Liverpool and uh, or the other team that's in competition with us. So there was a bit of a, a, a loving today on the the Arsenal and Liverpool uh, match I listened to. So no, we, we we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. I'm confident of that. Where are you at the moment, Tony? In your uh, your mood. Um, usual pessimist. Um, ignore what the other two have just said. Um, <laughs> we, can't, we don't win until we win. Um, but yeah, you know me. I'm always pessimistic when we're playing Brentford, Burnley, or Bayern Munich. Um, and you know that's just me. That's in my bones. I can't watch us thinking we're gonna win because um, I never have. Um, so yeah, um, weird one like that really. Um, Arsenal, yeah, they did us a favour against Liverpool. Is that the end of Liverpool season? Probably not. I think there'll be times through this season where Klopp leaving will be, you know, working their favour. He'll be able to rile them up, give them certain speeches about it, and the players will say we're doing this for Klopp. Um, but overall, you tend to see a little dip in some players when the managers already announced they're leaving towards the end. You know, whether they've got one eye on the next manager, their move, and stuff like that. So it could backfire. But in terms of our prospects it's always and you know cliched but it's always in our hands uh, regardless of what other teams do it's us that will drop the points it will be us that have to get the points so um i think my nerves stem from our habit to leak a goal look at burnley the other day um i think that was a goal that didn't need to be i think you know there was mistakes made in the lead up to burnley's goal where it could have been um you know we finished the game three you know well we could have finished the game five now to be honest but um and that worries me throughout the whole of this season and going into the final stages as well is that ability just to leak certain goals. And, you know, when we play away, let's say Brentford, for example, if they get an early goal from a mistake we make, they're happy to part the bus and try and snatch that win because even if we score, a draw is a good result for them. So, yeah, um, eternally pessimistic, as I say. Um, sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, that's how I watch City, unfortunately. At least I can never be disappointed. If we win, I'm over the moon. Um, if we lose, I was expecting it. <laughs> even uh, Your pessimism still holds true, even with everybody back now. I mean, Paul mentioned there about Kanji. It was at the press conference on Friday, and Pep said, no, Kanji's back now. So, in theory, everybody's fit. Um, I know I'm weird, but, you know, I've seen <laughs> everything. Well, I've seen everything that we've done over the years, you know, even if you go back to Aguero, to 100 points, to going on that 13-game bounce, to winning it from eight points behind in December and stuff like in January, sorry, and all of the rest of it. And, yeah, I'll still be pessimistic because we're just... Pre I know we've got rid of typical City in theory, but in my head, we haven't. And if we can cook it up ourselves, we will do. So <laughs> I'm just eternally pessimistic. As I say, I'm wrong. I can see Paul's got his head in his hands. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's in me. That's how I was raised. That's how I've always watched City. Put him right, Paul. Come on, you put him right. Just want to make sure that I never, ever sit near you, Sonia, on a match, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep my, your face 
imprinting in my brain now. Just give you the widest bird ever. Because we're seeing that you just won five trophies and you're coming out with that. Wow, yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. As I say, I'm always pessimistic. Yeah, well, you know, that's you know, and you're you're entitled to your opinion, mate. But you know, but I'm I, I wrong. Okay. Further from that. No, but again, you know, you think about how how well we play and, and, and how dominant we are. And and the fact that for me the most important thing is that craft knowledge now, the experience that we've had. You know, we've been here time and time again. The team knows. And you're absolutely right in terms of there's no crystal ball, there's no guarantees that any team will be every team, you know, or any team in the Premier League. We've seen that there's been shocks over the years. Remember, Arsenal were beaten by Forest last season. And Forest had, I think they had 18% possession. And they still lost the game 1-0. So we can't, we never take anything for granted. And, and, and I don't take anything for granted. I'm so grateful and so impressed and so excited by this team. But what I love is the fact that you've got Haaland and he, he, is, he is so determined to get on the pitch. And... You know, even though he's been out and 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 um, Alvarez has been playing so well, you can't really keep him out of the team. You know, so you've got Kevin De Bruyne back, who looks in as it is imperious self all over again, and he's it's like he's trying to make up for lost time. You know, it, and and even when Akanji steps in or John Stone steps in, they just we just don't look like a team that you know is short at all. And the one player that I was a little bit unsure about. You know, um, for me, in, in Kovacic, had his best game uh, of the season, in my opinion, at Spurs. You know, so players are coming to form at the right time. Uh, players are desperate to get on the pitch. Everyone's fit. We know what's coming down the track. You know, and there's no ground. There's no experience that our players aren't accustomed to. And they've got that winning feeling. They want more of it. They're greedy. And that's what we want. So as much as... You know, we, we can always say we're tempting fate, you know, and, and I'm still one one player that will never watch a penalty that, that City take. I'll still look away. So I've still got that in me. But I think the old city, that's as near to the old city as I've, that I still am, you know, and that's the only, only situation, you know. So it's exciting. We've got two games in hand. There's a chance to go one point ahead. I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Tease, was it 2018, 17, 18, where... We're necking out with Liverpool. It was at one point was a difference all the way down the line. And we go to Brighton and absolutely smash them. So the experience is there. The quality is there. The opportunity is there. And even with our young players, you know, Oscar Bob, he looks like he could play. Again, at Spurs, he was sensational. And for a player to get in the pockets, it looked like he was doubling for Phil Foden. You know, so we've got players coming in. So when Rico can't get in the team, when he gets his opportunity, he's taking it as well. He played well in his last game. And and as much as, yeah, we do uh, have that 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 kind of moment where, let's say, we, we conceded against Burnley. And that was players that probably switching off. And that's great. And I mean this in the right way, because Pep will say, hang on, that ain't happening again. So that just keeps you on that kind of recognising you can't switch off for a second whether you're playing Liverpool or whether you're playing Burnley. So all those things into the mix, I'm so excited about, uh, you know, about these next, you know, the next part of this season and also recognising that this game, well, I don't think the Liverpool-Arsenal result today will be pivotal, will be a part of that, about being pivotal. And I think the Anfield game will be the one that will really decide how things are going to pan out. 
Well, Tony, you know, obviously um, not happy with the sort of Burnley goal and switch off of that. And you you brought that up as well. And I was watching a little bit of the United game earlier in the afternoon on Sunday. And there was one moment when um, there was a, a wide shot, which happily there is a lot now on football. I, I much prefer it now when we watch it than when I was growing up. And it was on a little tiny TV and all you got was close-ups. And I noticed that Bruno Fernandes, was arguing with a referee or arguing with a teammate or something. And the game continued on for like 90 seconds after that. And I, and I turned to my son who was watching the game with me, I said, that would never happen at City. Not one player would ever switch off, would ever lose focus. And as soon as they get the ball, every single one of the 11 players is alert to where they need to be and when the, where the pass is going to be. And when they lose possession, they're immediately alert to, alert to go back into position to stop, to win the ball back. Without exception, there are no players in the City team who switch off for a moment and again. Now, you two have illustrated that there was against Burnley, but I would suggest that's slightly different because the game was won and obviously we're in the closing stages. And whilst every fan wants perfection <coughs> and to never concede a goal, it is sort of forgivable when you're 3-0 up and you've, you know the manager's already started rotating players and bringing players on. But generally, that intensity um, you know, is unique at the moment, I think, to City. Now, I've got a theory as to why that is, but I'd be curious to know why you three think that that is so achievable. Paul Risby, let's start with you. What, what, what You must see what I see, this never say dare. That is unique to City, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I first sort of noticed it when Pep came and uh, we started playing out from the back. And as soon as, as soon as the keeper got the ball knocked back to him, the team set up in the positions. They, they moved. I've never seen it before, you know, at City. Uh, and they moved into like their American football, if you like, set positions, rugby. You're getting a set position from a certain kickoff, and you see it now throughout the field. They all, they all, it's all drilled into. It. It's got to be, it's got to be trained. It's got to be down to the, what they do on a training field. Um, they all know where they should be when we have the ball, and when the opposition has the ball. We know when to press, when to hold back. Um, for me, that only comes through training um, and the the eagerness, um, you know, and the will to 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 want to not upset Pep. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you know, you don't want to you don't want don't want to upset the, the the team or upset Pep. If a player doesn't do what he's meant to do in that setup, that's when we have problems. So if we if they if they lose concentration or a player gets it wrong, that's why we concede goals because the 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 the, the team set play whatever you want to call it has broken down. That that's how I see it. And Tony, despite your you know humbleness, let's call it humbleness rather than negativity of not wanting to get too carried away. You must be enthused and and have some confidence when you watch the intensity, the never-ending intensity with which City play. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Paul. It all comes from Pep for me. Um, <clears throat> he set the standards. He, you know, um, creates the team from the sidelines. Uh, I can't remember which player it was, but when we won the Champions League final, um, you, Pep was still seeing what he did wrong rather than, you know, where where we won, where we did uh, where we did well. And that's Pep is a perfectionist and 
you know, for me, the greatest manager the game has seen. Um, I know some of us will throw other names in there, but for me, definitely there. And we see it in the leaders that we have on the pitch, you know, bringing other players along if they are having that lapse in concentration. So, yeah, it's all training and all teams train, but it's Pep that sets those standards and what he's expecting. And every player knows he's got to give that 110%. Um, if you want to play for Pep, because he won't he won't tolerate you if you don't. You know, we've seen that in the past. So, for me, it all stems from Pep. And, then, you know, I think we've been blessed to watch the football we've had and been on the journey we've had. Um, and that's why, you know, I love City, one of those sense that um, I would never have imagined in all my wildest dreams as a kid what's happened over the last uh, 10 years or so. So, for me, yeah, Pep is the best. And, you know, it all comes from him, unfortunately. I still the way I'm the way I am, and uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, if anybody is gonna get us to the final, if anybody is gonna get us the title, it, you know, you could. Who would you want in the dugout? You wouldn't want anybody else but Pep. We'll forgive you your uh, your negativity, and that's the wrong word. You're not negative, <laughs> but you know no. that, that that attitude because you know it, it, you're humble, and and I'd like to think City fans will always stay humble and never take this for for granted. One thing I will say is that this week I had. Uh, the real privilege. I was very, very lucky to to be in a position where I could have a couple of pictures with Pep, um, with the Champions League trophy and the trophies, which I can't tell you how much that meant to me, of course. And I realise lots of other people would have loved to have been in my position. But it meant that for a few moments I was I was with him. And while I was waiting for him to arrive, I was talking to one of the press officers uh, and I said, what's Pep like with you? Because when I've briefly met him before, um, you know, he's sort of come up to me and he's been bright-eyed and how's the family and all that sort of thing. Uh, and I said, you know, does he do that to everybody? And the the, the, the lad who was talking to said, absolutely. He said, he's very intense. He said, but when he said, when you've done something that he approves of, that you, that he likes, he makes you feel like a million pounds. And, and, I, and I thought, well, yeah, just from my own interactions with him, he gave me a big hug just after we'd had the, the picture with the, Champions League trophy and, and signed the shirt for me, and and I I felt like a, a million dollars, and I would have run through a brick if he said to me go and run through that brick wall, Ian. I'd have done it without hesitating, and I'm not a player. I'd have said right, bring it on, give me two walls, whatever you want, Pep. That's the type of person he is. Now I'm guessing Paul Lake that you've met um, Pep. I don't know how much you would have done, whether it would just be a brief interaction or a longer one. Have you had experiences like that? And, and how does he come across to you? Would do you think you'd have run through walls for him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just inspiring, isn't he, really? And he has that that gravitas, you know, that personality. Um, there are people that we meet in our lives that just when you walk in a room, you know they're there and they just have that aura about them. And that's that's uh, that's Pep Guardiola, you know, to a T. I, uh, during COVID, I was working for the Premier League along and just basically being the COVID, you know, inspector, just make sure that everything was as it should be, which it always was. But just being that pitch side and 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 being and seeing how how Pep is with the players and and then the standards that are set and the uniqueness of how he approaches the training sessions and the individuals and the things that he sees that that the players will. Almost, you see them sort of thinking about what he's just said, and actually going, "Actually, it makes a lot of sense," you know. And and then over time, 
you know, as as Paul has mentioned there, you know, each player as right has almost become a quarterback in their own rights. They've got that much information which they take on. You know, once they receive the ball and how they receive the ball and the weight of the pass that comes to them, that dictates the cleverness of the runs that are being made off of them. Always a triangle, always an angle, always a pass on. You know, and being so you know, uh, disciplined in terms of, you know, recognising that and yet having the flair to really express themselves when they get in the attacking third. And watching Pep inspire all the players, I was really, I was quite jealous, to be honest with you. I was envious of wanting to be out there. And I did meet him briefly. And you're right, you do feel like you float on an air afterwards. It has just that something about him. And, and you know, he may or may not know that he has that impact on people. But how many players across world football would would jump at the chance of playing for Pep Guardiola? And that, again, is testament to him as a man. Never, not, not just the fact that he's a, a genius of a, you know, a, a tactician and, and the fact that he's inspired, you know, football in this country as we know it. As I mentioned to you in the past, he's, you know, seeing from Pep Guardiola's uh, arrival in 2016, of all, how every single academy now sets up. They get on the ball more, they pass it more, you know, they're more conscious of that first touch and that passing, about movement, about that team ethic, you know, around trying to create opportunities and being brave on the ball. All these things, well, have been embedded to a point, but Pep Guardiola was taken to the next level. And thankfully, with those marginal gains, that we, know, we always speak about, Cheesy, that difference between that player and that player and that team and that team. That team method that you mentioned is absolutely key. No one's berating each other on the pitch, falling out, or arguing with the referee at the wrong times. That kind of thing does not happen because it's in those moments where other teams switch off and you can win a game or you can lose a game. So, you know, the way that he inspires the players, the way that he creates this, this environment of real togetherness and that genuineness, that genuine caring for each other, you know. So everyone is is thankful for playing. If you don't start, obviously they're a bit frustrated, but can't wait to get on the pitch, can't wait to pat the mates on the back, can't wait for the next training session. That's the enthusiasm and the motivation that Pep Guardiola creates for his backroom staff. And, you know, uh, it's a shame for Liverpool fans that, that Jurgen Klopp is leaving because he may have a similar effect at Anfield. I'm sure that he does. So it's going to be a mournful day when that happens for us. But at the moment, Pep Guardiola has just created a level which is stratospheric for Manchester City fans. And all we hope is that you know he stays maybe a couple of seasons more than he suggested because we cannot get enough of him and we cannot get enough of this team. Well, Paul and I have both been very lucky to be that little bit nearer and to have had interactions. Um, Tony and, and Paul are two members of the Forever Blue podcast team. You haven't had that privilege, so you have you've observed from more of a distance. Does that charisma? Does that charm? Does that uh, forget the coaching style just for a minute? But as a person, do you see that Tony from from? You know, whether you're in the ground and you're watching the game, you know, close up or you're watching on TV or however you're consuming the football, does that come over to you, that difference about him? 100%. I mean, um, I'm going to have to pass to Paul because, uh, like you two, I've also uh, met Pep um, along with a couple of the others when I was fortunate enough to go to uh, a Champions League game with a club in Ukraine uh, about six years ago now. Um, and don't tell yeah. us about that. You can't just say that and then not tell us what happened. There's a little bit of a what the background of that then. No, well, I remember we went to um, we were 
in the hotel and from there the club had arranged for us to go and watch uh, me and Cheeky and Mike Summerby to go and watch the kids play the underage because obviously the um, under 80 or the EDS they always play a reflection in the group stages um, Sorry Tom, you're jumping there for Cheeky is he, is he your best mate is he Cheeky what's that? That... <laughs> Tricks oh, sorry, I didn't know you meant that. Sorry, mate. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but as soon as we came back, you know, Pep followed him, um, and they were talking about the players, and you could just see that, you know, he wanted to know everything, even though he couldn't get to the game. He, you know, he follows it up and left no stone unturned. You could just see that in the way he was around the hotel and around uh, the players and a lot of the staff. Um, and, you know, nobody kind of had a down face around him in that sense. It was always um, hanging on his every word. And, you know, I'm making it sound a bit mythical, godlike uh, person here, but he's not. It was the personal personability of him, really, that shone through. Um, not necessarily his high demands and that side of it, but just the way that he could capture a person's attention, never mind a whole room's attention um, when he was there. So, yeah. Um, I think it shows through anyway. Before I had that experience, I did have kind of my preconceptions about him. Um, and then obviously when I had that, it was, yeah, something uh, I couldn't have dreamt of again. Have you met him too, Paul? Come on, tell us your insights. <laughs> well, well, you know what I mean? I don't like to name drop, as you know. Um, <laughs> well, I actually probably met him before anybody, to be honest with you, because we, um, I might not have been, I'm not sure, Ian, I might not have met him before you. We had a supporters club, um, it was sort of like a, an evening um, and he'd just been announced that he was coming to the club. Anyway, he turned up. He turned up that night and no, nobody was expecting it or anything. And he, and he walked in and I was, we, where our table was, I was there with John, you know, John Baker, because uh, we go to games together when you're here. He was there and his wife and my wife was there. Well, he had to walk to, you know, he did his speech and everything and um, he, he, he had to walk past our table. Well, that was it. My missus up, grabbed him, didn't have a chance, had a load of pictures took. Um, I tried to get my picture took, but was barged out of the way by the missus, who I hope I don't get her into trouble and get her on a, a sex offence charge, but she grabbed his backside, gave that a tweak, a big cheesy grin on his face, Um smiled and walked off. So I'm left there with a blur of a camera image of me having a selfie with him. Uh, and my missus has never stopped talking about the day that she met Pep. Not the fact that I took her along to this, you know, this 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 thing, this event. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, he was a godlike figure to me. And if I could have had a squeeze of his backside, I would have done as well, I think, to be honest with you. So, yeah, that's that was my uh, interaction with Pep. My, you probably better interview me, Missy. She'd tell you better about it. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, typical has, my look. That he has charisma, though, doesn't he? That absolutely way you look at it. Uh, how can I put it? There's a twinkle in his eye. He's uh, obviously I was stood right opposite him, and and he's just got this twinkle. You know, like mischievous, naughty kid. But you know, you know that that look. He's just got it. And they sum it, you're lucky. You say you meet people and, and there's certain people I've met in my time and you, you meet them and you just think, yeah, you're the, you're the man, you. And he was that. I, I was just like, I was, I'd, I'd never even seen his, a, a football team of his perform. And I'd, uh, just his reputation got me. So let's come back to the, the team now and the, and the way that it's it's come back together because, of course, there's been injuries. 
does that in any way cause a problem the fact that now there are an embarrassment of riches for pep to pick from and obviously got to keep everybody happy and others games pretty much every three days but Haaland's got to go back in there. Kevin De Bruyne's got to go back in there. Other players have been re playing regularly. Paul, you mentioned Kovacic playing very well at Spurs, which of course he did. But that's going to make it harder now, and perhaps for Kovacic to get in the team. You know, I mean, Pep has this knack of being able to keep everybody happy. Are you confident that 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 it won't be a problem? That now everybody's fit. <laughs> It's the nicest problem to have in the world, really, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And, and again, just in terms of the actual training, the level, the standards, you know, the attitude, you know, every player is going to be, you know, desperate to, to to start, really. And and as much as, you know, we as fans may have our, our secret favourite 11 or maybe favourite eight and a rotation of maybe two players, three players, you know, but ultimately, you know, we we, we feel that there's a, a side that we'd like him to stick with. But we've, we've seen, you know, when Oscar stepped in there, when Rico steps in there, when Kovacic, you know, uh, uh, you know, even in terms of when Kyle starts or he doesn't start, if he go with the four or go with the three, I don't feel that any player has ever let us down. And again, that comes from the the relationship that they have with, with the manager, with the teammates. And again, just what has been created Quite a few City fans, and I mean, I was I was mourning when David Silva left, and then obviously Gundogan going was he's another favourite of mine. And we're thinking, are these players going to be replaced? And no player is replaced in the same way. It's just different, but the team evolves regardless and keeps moving forward. So, you know, Pep having this complement of of this richness of, of of talent that he's now got at his disposal means that he can be very selective. You know, he can maybe hone in on certain features in certain games. You know, and and, and we've seen that. The, uh, the detail of uh, focusing on uh, the goalkeeper at Spurs, as an example, you know, was one where, you know, that was uh, that was thought out on the training ground. So, and the free kick against Burnley, which was absolutely superb. And, you know, there's only a few players in world football that can get that pace right. You know, and David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, those kind of players. But I just feel that now Pep can actually look at different games on their own merits. We can still be a strong uh, in cup competitions and the Champions League is something that you know he'll be rotating again. So having you having all the players means that he can target games in advance. We're still going to get niggling injuries. We're still going to get illnesses, which were going to happen. You know that's inevitable. You know, but just having that richness now of the squad that he wants means that everyone's desperate to give the best that they can. You know, players like Jack Grealish. We've all had kind of you know arguments around which player should start, which player should be on the bench, which comes in more impactful to come off of the bench. You know, and I don't feel that Haaland is that kind of a player. For me personally, I think he has to start. You know, whereas Alvarez can come off the bench, he'd be fantastic. Or he can start in the pocket or wherever. But I feel there are certain players that we've seen in Manchester City that just are not great at being kind of rested or be on the bench. I remember Julian Lescott. It'd take him three, four games to back into his rhythm. Top player that he was... But, you know, we need these players to be consistent and to be playing almost every game. So, yeah, it's brilliant for Pep. It's brilliant for us. But again, we mentioned about humility and not taking anything for granted. That's something else that Pep will instill because there is that humility in the squad, you know, and that respect that if I don't play and he plays, I'm going to get behind you. And you, you really feel that, you know, that environment. And it kind of carries the players. 
We've seen as City fans that every game over the last three or four years, give or take, one player has been that nine out of ten. That one player has been that go-to player. All of it last season was Haaland, you know, and, and now Kevin's come in and stepped into the breach. You know, but we've got those those players that can do it at any time. You know, Oscar Bob's pass for Phil Foden, you know, in in a home game where where Alvarez has just tapped it in. You know, those magical moments that our players have got. And because everyone's fit, everyone's at it. Pep's got a proper lens now on who's at it. Jember Cheese, I'll just quickly tell you, there was times when I played and we're thinking, well, if the fans might be in main road, thinking, why has he picked that team? And sometimes it's because someone was late because of traffic, believe it or not. And it's staying over in those days. You know, so like, what's the what's the thought process behind that? He didn't have a choice. You know, he didn't turn up till, you know, five to three. You know, because his car broke down or whatever. You know, it's ridiculous. But when you when you look at it now and you see Pep's now been able to properly plan as best that he can. But Champions League, I still feel, will be as important, if not more so. I don't know. I just get that feeling that that's suddenly become the number one with the Premier League title as number two. Though it's, it's harsh and arrogant as that sounds, I'm just thinking how the club might perceive it. I, I'm still, a, you know... Premier League title for me, or you know, if if they were to get anywhere near both, I'd still be, you know, I'd have a fantastic ride as a City fan. But you just feel that Pep has got this image now of knowing what he needs to do, knowing what's gone on in the past, knowing what hurdles to cross, knowing what players to keep fit, knowing when to just give them a break in certain moments and certain games during the course of the remainder of the season. And if he gets it just right, we've got a fantastic chance. Of, of doing a double, maybe even doing a treble. And I'm not tempting fate there because what will be, will be. Also on this screen, now I can't control what happens. But, you know, we have got such an incredible squad with a standard set so high that, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if, if you know, lots of sides don't get bulldozed by us just because we get a stranglehold on a game early on. We put them to the sword, we keep the ball and we just finish them off. And, and that's, what, what's been fascinating as we've evolved is seeing how against different teams we'll do it in a different way. And it might be a free kick. It might be something different. You know, it might be just a, a tap-in. might be a penalty. But I just feel that, yeah, we've been critical of, like, the, the, the goal and the player switching off. And not in a, you know, who, who are we to criticise, you know, uh, Diaz or whoever has been run, you know, in the, those last moments. But it's just around recognising that, you know, these guys are human. They're still going to make mistakes. But there's just that self-belief and that trust in this team and this philosophy. You saw Arsenal play today keeping the ball. You saw Liverpool keeping the ball. No one keeps it better than we do. No one passes it as well as we do. And when we're on it, and because we want it so much, I just think that teams are going to really, really struggle to keep with us. Well said. Go on, Tony, I can see you bursting into comment. <laughs> no, well, I think, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with anything Paul said there, really. And I think, it, you know, it's just linking the two conversations together, really, because it all stems from Pep. You know, I think since he's come in, we've seen a culture change, a bit like the Cruyff Barcelona for me. I'd make that comparison because whether we're developing players or recruiting players, they've got to fit in. And I don't think Pep's bringing anybody through or the club won't keep them around if they're developing, for example, in the lower uh, teams, if they have that ego where they're bigger than the club, uh, to coin the phrase. So I do think that, you know, that all stems to Pep in terms of how well, you know, the 
players are drilled so they know whoever's playing. It doesn't matter whether um, you've got Silver and Foden playing together or if you've got Grealish on the side. Instead, they know where that player is expected to be, where that ball needs to go. And that's all down to training and Pep. And, the, you know, they're not throwing the toys out the pram when they're not starting and that side of it because that's the background work done before we've gone into signing that player. Because if they have that ego and they have that mentality in under Pep, I could just don't see us signing it. Yeah, we've done mistakes in the pack pre-Pep. Um, but I think in terms of where we're at now, that's all come from him. And I hope he is going to have that lasting legacy that it um, had at Barcelona under Cruyff. Because I do think that um, we are in the best possible position we ever have been, um, not just on the field, but off the field as well with the board and the structure that's in place. Well, Lakey, you know the, the setup below the first team better than anybody, I think, <laughs> because of what you've been doing behind the scenes, etc. And you've seen Jaden Sancho, you've seen um, Cole Palmer and very, very talented players like them come through. And yet what Tony's alluding to, I think, is that, um, and this is not a personal assassination to those players, it's yep. just an observation that maybe there's a little bit more ego in a Jaden Sancho, a bit more of an ego in Cole Palmer or whatever. So the club have thought, right, well, look, Talented as those players are, they don't fit the mentality that we want to have at this club. And yet you look at Oscar Bob and he comes in, does marvellous things, but seemingly with no ego. Just like, I know he hasn't come through the youth team or the, the setup that we're talking about here, but Julian Alvarez, who's a World Cup winner, who's won everything, and yet... He seems very understated in everything he does, which I love about him. Kevin De Bruyne is like that as well. But when you, what I mean, there were some, I saw some facts and figures that were banded around today saying that it listed, I think, the top 20 clubs in the country in terms of profits that they've made from players that have come through their teams and then been sold. And City's Academy as opposed to the first team, which is what the comparison was in every other category, the City's Academy had actually sold more than most other Premier League clubs because of what they brought through. So the And I know the Academy must be close to you, Paul, because you came through City's Academy. You're a Mancunian City fan who played in the Youth Cup final a lot, and now you're watching another batch come through. So what is it that's uh, what is it about that? What, what how is how are City getting it so right at Academy level? I think when you look at the the competencies that 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 we look at as footballers, that the coaches at the club look at as footballers, they'll look at the other kind of modelling of the players that have gone in the past and looking what the attributes are. You know those kind of uh, position specific attributes that that players will develop as they get into their kind of mid teens and start to really flourish and to sort of grow into their own bodies. You know, be you know, create that sense of 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 self in an environment where they feel comfortable, they're trusting themselves in the environment, they're getting used to the environment, the expectations, then they get used to playing as a team, then they get used to playing to win games. And all those things are coached. Goes without saying that, you know, in terms of how you receive the ball, where you receive the ball, all those patterns of play are drilled in. The boys know that, you know, and that goes right through, obviously, towards men's football. And that is established and players will know. And that's why Oscar Bob steps into that space and does not look out of place for a moment. He's also trained a lot with the first team as well. And that's under, you know, Pep stewardship. He's recognised to get those players up, you know, but... One thing that, uh, that 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 Tony rightly mentioned is around that due diligence of personality. Now, there's there's something that has been kind of 
maybe not exactly uh, stolen from the All Blacks, but one of the All Blacks mantras was, pardon this language, cheesy, but they would say, no dickheads. That was their mantra. And that's it. It's about good people first. And if you're going to create a culture in an environment, you have to have good people. You have to have humility. You have to have respect. And then that, alongside the talent, you know, how players are driven. You know, there's so many winners that you see Manchester City's team. And not just that have over the years, but have arrived as winners. Let's look at Haaland and say, he is a winner. He just he comes out of his pores. And that's how we've seen players time and time again that have come through the ranks at City have been sort of recognising, you know, what their attributes are, are required, uh, how they perform on a match day, how they reflect, how they learn, uh, how they recognise their strengths, they become super strengths. And it's their strengths that will get them a contract. It's their strengths that will get them, you know, professional deal or a life in football or even a place in our first team squad. But it's being that that good person, that humility off of the pitch, being authentic. Now, someone might be, you know, very strong-willed and and charismatic, and at times may come across as being, you know, um, uh, arrogant, if you will. And it's not about knocking that out of somebody. It's about self-awareness. It's about recognising when you back yourself and when it's important to have that team ethic. I think that's what City have got right. They've enabled people to make mistakes off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And that has all come together, creating a sense of self with the right values, the right attitude, you know, to, to be the best that they can be, whether that's at our wonderful club or whether that's elsewhere. And that has been nurtured, you know, from, um, uh, I'd say, Jason Wilcox being part of that, you know, and obviously the coaches that have gone through, the 21s, Patrick Vieira and so on and so forth to where we are today. And, and Brian Marwood, you know, City Football Group. But you see it in the staff, you see it in the in 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 the environment, you know, everyone that works on a match day. And funnily enough, my, my, my son goes a lot to Stockport County because it's around the corner from us. And, and there's a lot of staff that have been taken from City to Stockport County because they have those values, you know, that that that, that they're all driven, but they recognize how important it is to be to have that communication, to be able to connect with other people. And you know, the connection at Manchester City and the and you know the authenticity is something which I can't speak highly enough of because people can be themselves, you know, warts and all. Obviously, there's things that you can say, things that you shouldn't say. And, you know, that's something which there's a generation which hopefully is going to like to stop dissipate in terms of those archaic attitudes. But there's just a genuineness in Manchester City. And and with that comes that 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 the core values those pillars are right the way through the team. And you had Vincent Company. We all love Vincent Company. We all love Ilkay Gundogan. Look at the captains we've got at the moment. You know, they they typify all those values. And it's just a pleasure to see our players because they can be themselves on camera. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence where uh, there's a spiel coming out. They can be themselves, being authentic, but at the same time, they're not losing sight what they have to say, what they need to say, but also bringing a bit themselves into the camera as well. And that's been, you know, kind of encouraged because they know what's expected. They know how to be themselves in this environment, but they also know the times when they're representing Manchester City. When it's on the pitch, it's a standard. When it's off the pitch, it's a standard. And that is there for all to see.
while Pep Guardiola is the the leader of all this and uh, sets the the bar, if you like, um, I think you and everybody is right, and Pep himself will say it. This is a team thing, uh, you know. Brian Barry Murphy is another uh, key part of it. I've known Brian since he was at Rochdale and whatnot, and Barry, and he is another humble hard-working man who has all the right ethics and the way that he manages himself and managing is not just about the tactics and the players and where they're going to play and everything it is about managing people which is what we've alluded to when we've talked about how he how he handles people so um quite right that we should be singing the praises really of all those people behind the scenes who deserve a lot of credit and I'm sure we'll get it internally from Pep, Pep and people like that but sometimes we don't always know the names or know who they are but hats off to all those people uh, so to finish off this podcast um thanks very much of course to the the three of you for your time as ever um the next two games that city have got as we record this on sunday evening and you might be listening to it after the brentford game for all i know uh, but the next game is brentford away on monday evening and then everton uh, an early kickoff next weekend before a trip then to cape copenhagen in the, the champions league um, are you? I'll leave Paul Lake to the end because obviously he's our star guest. But Tony, uh, let's start with your pessimistic view of what you think City will get from the next couple of games, and uh, and and you know whether you're confident that we can win the next two. Uh, I'm going to say no comment. I can see both Paul's glary eyes at me at the moment. Um, <laughs> I'm scared to say anything. Um, love. I, I think we'll uh, we'll be all right, but that's as far as I'll go as optimism. Um, I think you know, out of the two games, I think Everton slightly more, um, just in terms of style and how they've been playing recently since they had that point deduction as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Everton worries me more out of the two. Um, but yeah, I'm optimistic for a little bit. I give myself that sense no. since we're talking about marginals. <laughs> well, that'll do for now. Um, the other Paul, um, are you confident of uh, a couple of victories? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I used to be, I used to be really like Tony to be honest. That if we're winning, winning five nil at half time, I'd always think we're going to get beat six five. I was always under that sort of impression, but since these last couple of seasons, it's it's kind of slowly worked its way out of me. Um, I'm I'm getting less sort of like you know stats as in what's happened in the past. Oh. Five years ago, when we played such a team, it was completely different team. Five years ago, so you know, I'm I'm kind of more living in the moment now. I think with City, and I think since COVID, it's kind of made me look at things different. And I've just thought, you know what, I'm watching the best football I've ever seen live. Um, I'm going to embrace it and enjoy it. And you know, we get beat, we get beat, but I'm I'm certainly going to try and get out there and enjoy it. So I. I love watching him. I, I hate sitting at home watching because you have to listen to pundits. Um, City's, City's going to do all right on the Monday. Um, they've got that little bit of, about them at the moment, Everton, but they, they're not going to be able to live with us. I, I don't. I think it's City win both. Um, just before I bring in Paul Lake for final comment, just another uh, thanks very much to AMR Development UK sponsoring the podcast and also 
Counting King, search them on the internet, Google them, Counting King. And if you're involved in a business, uh, whatever type of business it is, however big it is, however small it is, and you have to advise on loans or how to manage money, and particularly R&D tax credits, which is what they specialise in, give them a shout, tell them I sent you, and I promise you, I guarantee this is, I do know this 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 company, and I know the people who set it up, they are very, very good. So don't hesitate to contact them and tell you, Tell them that I sent you. So, Paul, a um, couple of games now uh, on the bounce. Brentford and, and Everton before the trip to uh, Copenhagen. Um, Where's your mood at the moment? I guess very optimistic. I am. Yeah, very optimistic, Cheesy. Yeah. And, and again, you're thinking about the preparation for the next three games. And that's what Pep's got now. He's thinking about these next three games. Uh, the Brentford game is never going to be easy. No one would, would really enjoy going to Brentford. But again, you know, we turn up how we know we can turn up and we will turn anybody over. And uh, the, the form that we're in the, at the minute with all the players that, that, that we've got fit, you know, I, I don't see uh, any other result. I don't think it's going to be like, I'm not going to think we're going to blow them away. And the same with Everton, you know, they're, they're, they're tough nuts to crack and they will set up to try to stop us from being able to express ourselves in the way that we can. But I just feel that we've got that many players that are, are so creative and, and just know how to, to overcome, you know, different setups where they play with the three. Uh, Brentford gone with the three, five, two normally. And that just poses, you know, a different kind of opportunity there in terms of the space wide as opposed to the space in central areas. You know, Everton will try and hit us on the counter. And we saw, you know, at, at Goodison, just, you know, what they can be like. But again, we've just got too much in terms of, you know, uh, work rate, endeavour, attitude, out of possession work, never mind the creativity and the talent that we have in an attacking sense. Uh, it's always going to be difficult uh, when you go from away from home, especially, and in midweek and having to manage the travel or the rest of it. But it's the same for everybody else. I just know that, you know, Pep will have prepared these guys in the right way. And, you know, even if Pep wasn't around, these guys are so well-tuned now on what the expectations are, they would be fine. But as Tony rightly mentioned, you know, with Pep at the helm, he won't allow any stone not to be, you know, uh, unturned to make sure that we get the best results. So it's going to be really exciting. Don't take anything for granted. But I do feel that we'll 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 turn over both teams. I don't see us conceding against Everton. Maybe they might get one against Brentford. But I think uh, we're going to turn both teams over, and, and I'd say comfortably. Well, thanks very much to the, to the three of you. Um, it's a great pleasure to always to speak to you, Paul, but also to Tony and to the other Paul, um, who sadly won't be with us in Copenhagen for this trip, but um, hopefully for the next one in the quarterfinals, uh, if City progress on. Uh, but as City fans, um, we're all a little bit humble and don't take anything for granted. But fingers crossed that that's what will happen, that City will continue on in the Champions League as well. So thanks very much to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Have a look at the YouTube channel as well and look at the match day vlogs uh, that I do and of course they're free as well and subscribe and click and get the notification so have a good week uh, I'll be on my way to Brentford Monday morning I'll be down there if you go into the game come and say hello and uh, get involved in the uh, the video podcast uh, or the video vlog whatever you want to call it so have a good week I'll see you next week for the next uh, podcast and uh, you only remember one thing from this podcast just remember this it's great to be a blue <laughs>